If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm not going to read from there right now, but I want you to go ahead and flip open with me to 1 Corinthians 9, uh, 24 and 27 is what I'm going to be touching on. I'm going to be reading from the Amplified. But before I get there, let me talk to you about a story in Scripture. In the book of Samuel, Absalom has rebelled against David, and there's a big battle that's ensued, and they're out in the woods fighting, and this is going to determine whether or not David lives or dies, because if Absalom wins the battle, he'll kill David, because there could never be a kingdom established securely as long as he was alive, because he was God's man. Everybody say God's man. So this is something you need to understand that it doesn't matter what you're going through as long as you recognize that God is with you. Because when God is with you, nothing else around you is going to be able to take you out. Anyway, Absalom, long story short, Absalom dies. They're trying to get ready to send word to David. And so they find this man that is a Cushite. And they take him and they tell him to go and run and take word to King David that his son is dead. And he takes off. And there's a young man standing there. And his name is Ahimaaz. And he says, well, I, I want to run. Let, let me run. And Joab said, why are you going to run? You, you don't have any news. Why? Why would you run? He said, I, I, I just want to run. Just, just let me run. And so Joab looks at him and said, well, run. And he takes off, and he takes off running, and he gets to David, and he's got no news. So today's message title is Running for Fun. Everybody say, Running for Fun. You see, sometimes we can just end up going through the motions of things. It didn't matter to that young man that he had no good news to bring. He just wanted to run. Sometimes if we're not careful, we can be the same way. But when the message doesn't matter to us. I said when the message doesn't matter to us, then we're just running for the fun of it. And that's no way to win the race. Listen to Paul's words in Corinthians. He says... Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run their very best? Everybody say their very best. Now, your race isn't my race. I I have to run my very best to what? To win. But only one receives the prize. Run your race in such a way that you may seize the prize and make it yours. Now, every athlete who goes into training and competes in the games is disciplined. Everybody say disciplined. And exercises self-control. Everyone say self-control in all things. I want to ask a question. What, What does it mean there when it says in all things? It means in all things. So he's saying that you have to be disciplined and self-control in all things. How many of you have ever had somebody cut you off in traffic and you've exercised self-control? <laughs> After you laid on the horn. <laughs> Praise God. 
self in all things. See, we've got this bad habit of separating our church life from what we call our regular life. And you've got to understand that there can't be two different lives. That makes you bipolar. You end up with a split personality. You've got to, you, you have to keep it together. Everybody say, keep it together. So hear what I'm saying, that if I'm exercising, if I have to exercise discipline and self-control in all things, then that means I need to take a look at some things in my life and exercise it there. For example, how many of you like ice cream? And how many of you like a scoop of ice cream? Self-control. How many of you sat down with a container? <laughs> this is the way it came. <laughs> if God had intended for me to have one scoop, they'd have it that way in the freezer section of my store. It comes in a gallon pail, and that's the way I'm eating it. All things. Everybody say all things. And I'm going to tell you, man, look, it's hard to exercise self-control in all things. I'm just, when, when we traveled and, you know, you, you, you're going into different people's homes. Now, it wasn't hard to exercise self-control in some folks' houses. <laughs> but there are other places you go in, in that country cooking. Everybody say country cooking. Man, they'd be cooked cabbage and fried taters and cornbread and beans and pork chops and fried green tomatoes and I'm, I'm, I'm anointed now <laughs> and I'm telling you what it's not easy to sit down and exercise self-control when that's looking at you I mean I didn't want to offend the people I was eating with but I felt like getting up and say Satan get behind me <laughs> But it was just coming right to me. It was an exercising self-control. Everybody say self-control. See, it's easy for us to see that in, in, in those areas of our life. But what about self-control when it comes to our attitudes? What about self-control when you're upset about something and instead of you reeling it in, you just let it all hang out? I know, I know none of us do that. But I've been around in my time. Self-control. How many of you have ever been angry before? Raise your hand if you've ever been angry. Hold your hand up if you've ever been angry. How many of you have ever just told a lie like you did now? <laughs> you know, if your hand was, you, I'm just telling you, you're not going to get through life without getting angry. But what you do with that anger determines how fast you move forward. See, the race is in front of you, not behind you. Maybe that's why Jesus said that once a man puts his hand to the plow and he looks back, he's not fit for the kingdom of heaven because you can't win the race if you keep looking backwards. Sometimes we're allowing what we've been through to keep us from what God's got for us and it, the devil knows how to manipulate us. And as long as he knows that that's a sore spot with us, he'll keep using it over and over and over again. If you don't believe it, just 
Get to the point where you feel like, man, everything's going good. And then what God will do is he'll bring somebody, somebody will knock on your door that you don't like. He'll bring him right in front of you. He'll, he'll, he'll make you deal with the situation. Everybody say self-control. We had, I had to exercise self-control. At our house, we had, a few years ago, we had some hoodlums. Young people, I'm sorry. We had, we had, I said hoodlums, that's not a good word. Some of them are in prison now. I'm telling the truth. And they were going through the neighborhood like at 1 o'clock in the morning, and they had this sock full of rocks. And they were taking this sock full of rocks, and they were smacking people's doors with it. Now, you can imagine what that sounds like. And I caught them. Well, I almost caught them. It was the hand of God that kept me from catching them. I came out, and they were there. I took off after them. These kids are running, and I'm, I'm trying to exercise self-control. I promise God I will not kill them if I catch them. Please let me catch just one of them, God. Just one. Self-control because people can push your buttons. I don't care who you are. You got somebody smacking your door with a pocket full or with a sock full of rocks at one o'clock in the morning. I seriously doubt that you're going to go to the door and answer. Hello. Can I help you? Is any oh nobody's there? Must have been an accident. Self-control. Doesn't come easy. You have to practice it. Everybody say practice. And here's the thing you need to know about God. God will let you keep practicing as long as it takes <laughs> until you get it in self-control. So sometimes you, you've got to begin to set some things aside. You've got to, there's nothing wrong with playing a video game if you can control it. But when all of a sudden it's got control of you, there's something wrong with it. When, when you get mad and you get angry and you, you get upset because of something going on, you've got whatever you're doing, you need to be able to step away from it and it not have, an, not have empowerment over you. So whether it's a video game or it could be television, somebody get in, sometimes people get into these series on TV. I can't even tell you what the series are anymore, you know? I, one that's coming to my mind is Chopped. I don't know if that's still out there or not, but it was, it was you know, it used to be, we used to like to watch that. We'd DVR it, you know, because one after the other, and we'd just watch, you know, just one episode, one right after the other. And, and so you have, to, you have to be able to shut it off. Everybody say, shut it off. Social media. This is what concerns me about social media. Sometimes we're living our lives on social media instead of interacting with each other. And so you have to learn how to share. Matter of fact, I just shut mine off because I thought, you know, this is taking time from me. And, and the reason I shut it off was because I want interaction here too. I told my wife, I said, I've got people sometimes that are sending me messages, and some of you have on Facebook, but I don't see it for two or three days, and you needed prayer then. And it's like, I'm not, so I, I'm, I'm, 
I, I need that face-to-face. Everybody say face-to-face. Instead of Facebook, get your book out of the face. I mean, get your face out of the book. Not, not, not you know, not the good book, but out of that book. And, and communicate with someone. Everybody say, just talk to somebody. Do you know that the people that created Facebook do not let their children on Facebook? Did you know that? Did you know the reason that they don't is because they know that it's addictive and they knew it when they created it and yet they put it on the market anyway because here's the truth. They don't care about your kids. They're just worried about theirs. So you have to exercise some, we have to, everybody say we have to, exercise discipline and self-control. Sexual purity seems to be something that's passe in the generation that we live in now. You talk about keeping yourself till marriage and folks will laugh at you. And I'm thinking, really? I mean, are we, have we become so desensitized? Have we become such a, a, a creature of a, a beastly nature that now we don't, we don't even believe that sex ought to be confined to the marriage bed, but just hop in any bed and it's okay? Do you understand that when you do that, that it has lasting impacts on your life? And then what happens is, if in, and, and the kids heard this at a conference we were at, that if you build your relationship and your marriage on sex, and you've had sex all your life, there's nothing special about it anymore. So sex isn't the foundation, it's the cherry on top. Everybody say, build your relationship on God. Amen. Who, who was it that noticed that it wasn't good for Adam to be alone? Oh, it wasn't Adam. Adam didn't come up to God and say, hey, could you get me a wife? I'd like her to be about so tall, brunette, fine looking. I can, I can draw it out for you, God. <laughs> no, God looked at Adam and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And so what he does is he creates, he builds marriage. So marriage is built on God. But we build it on everything else except God. Everybody say self-discipline, self-control. Now, here's, here's what I'm getting to. That, let, me, let me finish this. It says they do it to the, the people that are running in this race, they do it to win a crown that withers. But we do it to receive an imperishable crown that cannot wither. Therefore, I do not run without a definite goal. I do not flail around like one beating the air, just shadow boxing. Now watch this phrase, but like a boxer. Everybody say like a boxer. I strictly discipline my body and make it my slave. Do you know that boxers will not have a relationship before a fight? Because it weakens them. It takes away from them. And the fight that we're in, if we have relationship outside of marriage, it weakens us. It, 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 it demoralizes us. It literally makes us to the point where we're not able to fight the good fight of faith. 
And so even boxers know that it can, you can become a slave to it. And, and that when you have a fighter that has sex outside of right before a fight robs him of his strength. And if we have sex outside of marriage, it can rob you of your soul. They do it to receive a corruptible crown, one that withers, but we're after one that doesn't perish. He said, but like a boxer, I strictly discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached the gospel to others, I myself will not somehow be disqualified as unfit for service. Now, let me talk to you a minute about, because you can tell a lot about a person in, by the shoes they choose to run in. Everybody say run in. Now, all of these shoes that I'm going to talk about today, there's a place for all those shoes. But we're not talking about just any shoes. We're talking about shoes that we choose to run in. So the, the, the illustration that I'm going to give you today is about, I hope you get this, that, that it's a, there's a spiritual correlation to this. It doesn't mean that everybody you see that's got a pair of those shoes on is, is doing what I'm saying. I'm just telling you that all these shoes have a place, but there's only one set we ought to be looking for when it comes to the race that we're in. Everybody say, I don't want to run for fun. I want to run to win. So let, let's talk about sometimes we can pick out a pair of shoes. I'm going to need some help up here. And, and, and these are the type of shoes that, that, that people, huh? No, it's not going to help me. A chair's not going to help me with that. So sometimes we pick out shoes and, and the shoes that we're choosing, uh, you know, look, anybody... Anybody that chooses a pair of shoes like this to run in, they're not interested in winning. they just interested in looking good. You know, they, they, they not, they're not in the race for the prize. They just, they just want, no, forget that. Just put it down. I just want your shoulder, Mike. That's all I want. Yeah, just stand up a minute. There you go. Hang on. Step behind me. There we go. So... <laughs> Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Do you believe that there are people that wear these every week? <laughs> my, my wife. Oh, God. Are you sure? <laughs> and so they're, they're going, look, they're going, they, they, look, folks do this stuff. And they, now you understand what I'm talking about. I'm talking about spiritual. Folks that just, you know, they, they walk around. Have you ever seen somebody walk around uppity? You know what I'm talking about? And the higher the heel, the better they like it. Folks that have a spirit that I'm better than you are, and, and, they, and, and they're trying to keep up with the Joneses. The problem is, is when you're trying to keep up with the Joneses, you develop a critical spirit and start judging everybody else. You walk around and go, can you believe what they had on? Oh, I just can't. Oh, oh, we're running this race. Oh. I'm telling you, before you ladies leave here, if you have on a pair of high heels, I want you to come write your name down. We're going to buy purple hearts for every one of you because that's a painful experience. 
When you're running for fun, you're not choosing the shoe. Thank you, Mike. You're not choosing the shoe. You're not choosing the shoe to win the race. And there are people that sometimes it's. If our motive isn't pure, if it's just a show to us, then not only are we not going to win the race, but we're going to cause others to lose it as well. Yeah, spring an ankle, break a toe. Sometimes people are putting on shoes that are just a little too big for them. Everybody say too big. These are size 15. Shoes that are just a trifle too big for our feet. Come up here a minute, Jordan. Shoes that are just a little bit too big for our feet. Go ahead and take yours off. That's okay. Oh, yeah, no. See, that's style. You should have been in the high heels. Okay. Now, now, step down here, and I want you to take off running as fast as you can. <laughs> okay, come on back. Come on back. Run fast. Run fast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, he's moving. Yeah, but he, how old are you? He's moving, he's 15 years old, and he looks like he's 75. <laughs> Why? Because he can't keep them on. He's struggling. It's not that he can't run. It's that what he's chosen to run in are hindering him. It's not that you don't love God. It's not that we don't want to worship God and, and go after God. It's that we allow the devil to set out a pair of shoes in front of us to choose a lifestyle that's the wrong lifestyle, and it's going to continue to hinder our race. Give him a big hand. Thank you, Jordan. Korah had these shoes on. Korah looked at Moses and he said, who do you think you are telling everybody else what to do? We're all God's people. We're all holy. And Moses fell on the ground because he knew what was going to happen. And he said to Korah, he said, what are you, what are you doing? Korah looked at him and he said, you take too much on yourself. And he said, Korah, he said, is it a small thing that God gave you Levites control over carrying the tabernacle and caring for it. And now you're trying to go after the priesthood. He said, you're the one that's taken on too much and God's going to determine. He said, tomorrow you bring your censors. And man, he, look, he incited, Korah and two other guys incited 250 of the main leaders of Israel. And then they in turn got the congregation stirred up and was causing confusion in the house. And what ends up happening is that morning, Moses said, you go get your censers and bring it out. And that morning when they came out, Moses stepped up and he said, now if these men die a normal death, God didn't send me. 
But if something unusual happens, like the earth opens up and swallows them, then you're going to know that God sent me. He no more got that out of his mouth until the earth opened up. It swallowed Korah, those two other men with their families and homes, closed back up on them. Lightning came out of heaven and the 250 leaders that sided with them become toast. And all the people started backing away. Why? Because you're running in shoes that don't belong to you. Shoes that are too big. You have to let your feet. How many of you, when you were a kid, used to tromp around in shoes that were too big for you? We got pictures of my son in my shoes and, you know, walking around. He's like a year old and he's walking around. And that's cute and that's fun. But if, you, if, if he's trying to live his life that way, it's not going to work. I knew the day would come when he would grow into it. But when you try and seize shoes before you're ready for them, it's not just going to end up in your falling, but you're going to end up causing others to fall with you. Everybody say shoes that are too big. Now the flip side of that, you know, I just can't do anything. Because I just, you know, I just can't do it. I, I, I'm not, I can't, you know, I just, I, I have to just, I have to unbuckle my shoe. I, 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 you know, you, no, God, I can't go talk to anybody about you. I'm just not able to do, let Sister Debbie do that. She can do that, God, but those, now I just can't do that. I, <laughs> these are my shoes. The scripture said that Jeremiah said to the Lord, I can't do it. I'm just a child. And God spoke to Jeremiah and said, don't say you're a child. Because I've called you before, you, while you were still in your mother's womb, I ordained you there. Do you understand that sometimes we try and get by with not doing anything because we're saying, oh, I just can't, and, and we're thinking small of ourselves. I want you to hear what I'm going to say. When you start thinking small of yourself, you're thinking small of God because what you're saying is, God, you're not big enough to use me. You have to get out of these shoes. These are shoes. These shoes are fine when you're a baby, but God didn't create you to be a baby your whole life. We love babies, don't we? We love to rock babies, and we love to pat babies, and we love to, you know, we love it when they go. <laughs> Nana goes over and she sees Vivian when she sees Vivian. She go, she, she'll look at Nana and she'll go, I mean, she'll look at Debbie and she'll go, whoo, whoo. Because Debbie had an app on her phone that had these barnyard sounds and there was an owl on it. And that owl, she'd punch that owl and it'd always go, whoo, whoo. And so she would go, whoo, whoo. Papa. <laughs> she wouldn't say my name forever, man. She was saying Nana's name. Mine was the last name she was saying. But when she said it, she said it right. <laughs> she doesn't say, Papa. She goes, do you know why she does that? Because somebody taught her to do that. 
Now, I'm not going to say who it was, but Papa. <laughs> we have shoes that we choose to run in, and oh man, these shoes are great shoes. They're my work shoes. And we spend our whole life. Now, understand, none of these, all of these shoes have a place. But you can't run in these shoes. You can't let these shoes dominate your life. Because you can end up running and running after that dream and after that goal or after that vision and turn around and find out you arrived all alone. That you sacrificed your family for your spot. Work shoes. The scripture says, what would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what would a man do in exchange for a soul? I know guys that, no, I can't be at church, man. I can't be at church because I have to work. Now, look, I know what it is to have to work in this church. I had to at times, but it wasn't my choice. But I've known folks that just intentionally stayed busy just so they wouldn't have to show up at church. They used work as an excuse why they can't be there. And when that happens, what you don't realize is you're getting further and further away from that intended goal. Paul said, I don't run uncertainly. I, I don't run without a goal. I've got something I'm running toward. If you're just out, if, if you're just out running, I mean, th think about it. What, what happens if, uh, you know, if we look outside and we see two kids lined up and they're, they're running in a straight line, we know there's a race going on. They're running. But if they're out there and they're doing this, <laughs> we're thinking there's a bee after them. Something's going on because what they're doing makes no sense at all. They're not covering any ground. They're just circling. And if we're not careful, that's what we're doing. We're not gaining ground with God in our walk with God. We're just running around in circles. Paul said, I don't fight like one that beats the air. He had discipline. Everybody say discipline. So what's the opposite of work boots? Everybody say loafers. You don't have to worry about these people working. These people work at getting out of work. Hey, can you give me a hand? I would, but I'm just so tired, you know. Just, you, you need help doing something? I'll be there. As soon as I finish this nap, I was starting to take over here. Loafers. Ever, I do not start pointing fingers. Did you ever meet a loafer? Now, some folks that are holding signs up, it's true. But some people that are holding signs up aren't holding them up because they need help. They just don't want to work. There was a guy they followed in Dallas, Texas, had a sign up. Matter of fact, we were down there one time. There was a guy with a suitcase on the side of the road, and he had a sign, only 25 cents. 
I found out from the pastor, he'd been down, down there for about two months with that suitcase holding that sign, only 25 cents. I told Debbie, I said, you know what's in a suitcase? She said, what? I said, it's full of quarters. <laughs> they, did a hit, uh, they, they did a news report on someone like that one time, and they followed them home. And when they followed them home, they found this fancy house. They interviewed him. And he just started telling me, he said, man, I make over $50,000 a year. I don't have to report taxes. I, I, it's it's tax-free. I don't have to report it. And I thought, not only is he a loafer, he's an idiot. <laughs> he just said that on national television. You think the IRS isn't going to show up at his house and say, hey, I want some of them quarters. <laughs> Loafers. I, I can't stomach Loafers had a guy, he sent his son with me on a mission trip, and he said, well, good luck getting any work out of him. I said, he'll work. <laughs> if you get him to work, you're going to do more than I've ever been able to do. And I said, I promise you, he's going to work. When that mission trip was over, that boy looked up at me. He said, I ain't never worked so hard in all my life. <laughs> but listen to what he finished with. He said, but I feel good. Why? Because it's in the heart of a man. It's the way God wired us to be able to work. The scripture says in Thessalonians, he said that if a man doesn't work, neither should he eat. Amen. So it's wired into us to want to work. Leonard's 79, is that right? 79 years old? 79 years old. And I talked to him the other day and he told me, he said, yeah, he said, I was out there. He said, I pulled this tree up and my chainsaw out and cutting. I said, you did what? He said, cutting wood. Got my chainsaw out, cutting wood. He took me on a ride with him. <laughs> 79. And he takes me in this little, I don't know what it is. It's a, it's a what? Yeah, he made it. It's a souped up something. And... <laughs> And so I get inside it, you know, and, and I'm thinking, he's 79 years old. You know, we're going to go down. He's wanting me to show me the bottoms and all that, and so, or down by the river. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, it's, you know, it would be a nice, you know, little ride with him, and, you know, and uh, give me a chance to get to know him a little bit and talk about it. He gets me in that thing, and he starts it up. We're going down. Man, I am hanging on like this. And that thing, he's bouncing me all over that cab. I'm looking at him, and he's, he's having the time of his life. <laughs> That's the way I want to grow old. Just because you get old doesn't mean you can't go, doesn't mean you can't do. As a matter of fact, let me share this with you. You need to understand something about age. Age seasons you. The more age cheese is, the more expensive it is. It doesn't, somebody said, well, cheese is thick. No, cheese increases with maturity. It doesn't go bad. It doesn't get... It gets better. Everybody say better. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I'm better than I was last year. <laughs> and I'll be better next year than I am now. Don't, I, I, I know this, is, this goes against our grain because, George, if I ask you how old you were, you wouldn't tell me, would you? 39. 39. <laughs> That's my brother right there. I stayed 39 for years, and he just gave me a reason to stay that way longer. 
Matter of fact, George, if you're 39, I'm probably going to start telling folks I'm 29. (laughs) He's not going to let age determine who he is. Loafing isn't good for you. When you retire, how many of you, when you think of retirement, think of being able to sit back in a rocking chair? I worked my whole life so I could do this. Nobody, nobody thinks about that. They think about being able to do what they want to do so they work for it so when they get to it, they can't, they don't have to just loaf around. The scripture says this in Proverbs. It says, go to the ant, thou sluggard, and consider her ways. As a matter of fact, one translation said, go to the ant, you lazy bones. And take a look at her. She's got no ruler over her. Nobody's got to tell that ant to work. Nobody's got to tell that ant to gather. They just know inherently because God has wired that in us. Everybody say it with me. I was made for a good work. Come on, give me a hand clap of praise in here. I refuse to be a loafer. Well, what kind of, boot, what kind of shoes are these? I thought I taught a rabbit. (laughs) Hunting boots. Everybody say hunting boots. I wear these a lot of times where I go deer hunting. Why? Because a lot of times it's wet where I go. Hunting. And look, there's nothing wrong with hunting. I love hunting. But I don't try and run a race in my hunting boots. I had a guy, and every time deer season came in, he backslid. It was the truth. It was, I'm telling you the truth. He would backslide. I finally, the, the Lord spoke to me and I went to go talk to him. And I said, I, I, I'm not going to call his name. But his initials, no, I'm getting that. So I, I start talking to him and I'm asking him, you know, and he said, well, yeah, you know, we just hadn't felt home there. And, and I'm not talking, it wasn't somebody here. And, and so he goes, I, I just, you know, we're, we're just trying to find a church, you know. And I said, really? I said, what, which churches have you been at? Well, we, we really hadn't been at any churches yet, uh, you know, but I plan to, you know, I'm, I'm going, I, and I looked at him and I'm telling you, man, the, the Holy Spirit welled up inside of me and I looked at him and I said, let me tell you something. I said, if you were serious about this, you'd be in church every Sunday trying to find a place that you and your family could go. I said, but the truth is, I said, every time deer season comes around, you backslide and it becomes convenient for you to just be able to take off and go hunting. Here's my point. Why didn't you just go into church and say, Pastor, I'm going to be gone for a few weeks. I'm going hunting. There's no sin in hunting. Why would you turn your back on God? Because your focus isn't on God. Your focus is on something you're hunting for. Remember a guy in Scripture? We know him as the prodigal son. Dad, I want my stuff now. I don't want to wait till you're gone. Give it to me now. So he gives it to him. And what's he do? He goes hunting for something that's going to satisfy him. He spends all his time living 
a riotous life. And in other words, man, he's just partying all the time. Everybody say he's just a big partier. There's nothing wrong with a party as long as the party's the right kind of party. Karen Hale knows how to throw the right kind of party. Ask Marvin. <laughs> but if, if, if partying to you, I mean, I used to work with guys. They'd come in on a Monday and say, hey, we had some kind of weekend, man. I stoned out of my mind. I woke up. I didn't even know where I was. I said, and I stopped him. I said, wait a minute. That's your definition of fun? You, you, you just told me that you heaved your guts out and that was a great time for you? God, please don't let any of that man's family DNA be connected to mine. Why is it that we embrace things that harm us, that we go after what hurts us? It's because down inside of us there's a longing that only God can fill. And until we're ready to say, God, here I am, we'll always be hunting for something to take that place. You can't run a race in hunting shoes. I've been waiting to get these on. Everybody say cowboy boots. Some folks just run after fads. Real cowboys wear their cowboy boots regardless of what other people are wearing or what other people are saying. But there are some folks that just go after fads. How many of you saw this fad where all of a sudden, I'll never forget the first time I saw it. George, come up here a minute. This is not a fad for George. Come up here. Hold that up. Hold that up. Mine don't shine. <laughs> oh, I didn't have nothing put on the toe. See, there's a guy that knows cowboy boots. How many cowboy boots you got? I got 75 boots. 75. 75. What's George saying? George saying, I was country when country wasn't cool. <laughs> Give him a hand, would you? Thank you. It's not about a fad. It's not about, oh, you know, well, I'm going to go get. I, I never forget, man, when this fad came in. Now, if you've done this, I'm not talking about you because I'm sure you did it with the best intentions. But I, 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 it blew my mind the first time I saw a girl in a skirt running around with cowboy boots on. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. I'm thinking, man, don't tell me you're going to ride a horse. <laughs> you understand what I'm talking about? It's, it's about the fad. It's a, and when it goes out, how many of you had wore some stuff? The, these people that do this are the same people that in the 70s got an avocado refrigerator and they hate the color green. <laughs> the only reason they did it is because that's what was in it was in. Oh, did you see my fridge? It's like a big avocado. <laughs> and then it went from that to go, all this stuff. And, and so it's never about something that's real. It's never about something that's genuine. It's always about a fact. Folks like that, let, let me tell you something, man. 
if you're not careful, what ends up happening is you're doing what everybody else is doing. It can get in your ministry to the point that you start searching websites to find your message. You're not seeking God out. You're just printing off a script and then reading that and rehearsing that to a congregation. God has got to speak to your heart because if you don't let him speak to your heart, how are you ever going to be able to communicate what he's saying to someone else? Not a fan. Not a, you, you can always tell when somebody's putting it, everybody say faking it. It's kind of like this. Let me translate it to the religious world. Praise the Lord, brother. God is so good. Doesn't it, I, I, I don't want you to take this wrong, but I'm telling you, if I had to do that, I'd never do this. Because I am who I am, no matter where I am, no matter who I'm with. That's the relationship I want with God. No matter where I'm at, no matter who I'm with, no matter what's going on around me. So some folks say, but pastor, don't you know that? I mean, and, and honestly, and I'm not throwing off on anybody. Don't anybody think that. I'm just trying to explain something. Because I, I come into the suit, or into the suit, I come into the pulpit with a suit on every week. You say, why do you do that? That's not, that's not the thing that's in now. You're supposed to have on some hip huggers. Well, maybe not hip huggers. I don't, what is it, slim jeans? Skinny jeans. You're supposed to have on some skinny jeans. I had hip huggers. You're supposed to have on some skinny jeans, you know, and all. That's not who I am. Now, if you see me in a pair of skinny jeans, it's not going to be up in this pulpit. <laughs> and I'm not, I, I'm not dis besmirching anyone that does that. I'm just telling you that it's got to be real for me. I feel like this is an office of integrity. And I'm not saying others don't, but I'm just telling you that for me, it's got to be real. If I, if I just came up here and, and I was, I was just, just any old way, I would feel like I'm not giving my best to God. This is a personal thing with me. I, I, you can't, if you're not careful, you're just imitating folks and you're just trying to be like somebody else. And then what happens is you hit a spot in your life where you really need God and you don't know how to find God because you've never gotten acquainted with him for yourself. But if it's a personal relationship, then all of a sudden when the storms come, you know David said I'll look to the hills from whence cometh my help what's David saying David's saying I've had a relationship with God I, I know something about him I, and I know that I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging bread I, and that when things go bad he's still there when the storm is exploding around me he's still there I'm not looking to someone else for my help my help comes from above By the way, I like to wear cowboy boots. Just a side note on this. I, I don't wear cowboy boots preaching. I did one time. I'd just gotten into ministry. I had a pair of cowboy boots on, and I had gotten so accustomed to the anointing coming. And this is... I'm confessing my fault to you, okay? 
I'd gotten so used to the anointing coming. I got up there, I had those cowboy boots on, and I kicked those boots off across that stage, and I said, I can't preach with these boots on. I never did preach that night. I stuttered and stammered a lot. And when I walked out from behind that pulpit, I said, never again, God. I've learned my lesson. I can't do this without you. I've got to have you. Which leads me to the last pair of shoes. They're a pair that aren't so shiny. And they don't look so good. Scripture said that he had no beauty or comeliness that any would desire him. And he was bruised for our iniquities. They beat him for our healing. But there's something about these shoes. The scripture said it this way. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. But I love that old cross for the dearest and best. Where a world of lost sinners was slain. Nobody's going to point that out and go, whoo, look at them shoes. Some may even point and make fun of it when you decide to walk with God. Some of your friends may decide they don't want to be your friends anymore. Newsflash. They weren't your friends to begin with. If they walk away from you when you decide to walk with him, they were never your friends. But these shoes, something that feels right about them, they hold my feet. When I take off running, they give support to my feet. A little high-topped, aren't they? It's because they keep me from falling. They protect me. And that, my friend, is what he wants to do for us. Would you say it with me? I don't want to run for fun. So, with these shoes on, how am I supposed to walk? How, how, how am I supposed to run the race? Because I see people put these shoes on and then they look like they lost their best friend. If you've got these shoes on, you got some good news. <laughs> Say it with me. You got some good news. How many of you ever put on your tennis shoes and got ready to go out to play some ball? <laughs> go out there at the Cardinal dugout. <laughs> For you Cub fans, <laughs> live with it. <laughs> Go out there to the Cardinal dugout, and they're running back and forth, and they're, what are they doing? They're getting ready. They're getting ready. They're, they're sprinting back and forth. They're getting, well, well, you don't see them. You don't see them doing this. <laughs> if they've got the wrong equipment on, the manager's going to tell them, what are you doing? You let, you let Melina step out there with a pair of high heels on trying to catch and find out how quick they get him off the field. 
and get him into a hospital. <laughs> Mental facility. No, I'm kidding. Why? Because it's not what they're created for. All of these have a purpose. But Jesus is the only way to heaven. Somebody say it with me. He's the only way. He, I, so I got some good news. I, I know the way. Everybody say, I know the way home. The Bible said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's time that we run with a purpose and a passion and let the world know he's alive. Would you stand with me? Everybody say it with me. He's alive. So how many of you are looking to style it? Give you a good deal on these shoes. Got them at the Goodwill. Low mileage. I don't want to be uppity. The Bible said that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I don't want to do something I'm not called to do. I, it's too painful of a fall. So I'm just going to try and run in my lane. I don't want to try and get out of it either try and use an excuse that I'm not worthy and I'm not able. God knows all that. He didn't call us because we were worthy. He called us because we were His. I'm not going to spend my life working, looking for something when I know that that pearl of great price is in Christ. I'm not going to, I'm going to work. Don't misunderstand me. I believe every guy ought to work. I, I believe it, I, it, there, it's inherently wired into a man to work. As a matter of fact, when they tell guys that they can't work anymore, it does something to them. And they'll find something like Leonard, they'll find something to do because they're not going to sit around and collect dust. They'll find something to do because it's how God made us. I sure don't want to be a loafer living off of people and trying to get by with as little as I can do. I don't mind putting these boots on, but when I put them on, I know what I'm hunting for. I'm not going to spend my life trying to hunt from one thrill to the next thrill when I found that pearl of great price. And I'm not interested in a fad. I don't care what, you know, the truth is today, <laughs> while everybody was up on stage and I, I was, we were worshiping, because of the message I was getting ready to preach, I started looking at people's shoes. And I saw Jasmine. Oh, Jasmine's barefoot now. Okay. Come out here a minute. You know what? If we would start here, we wouldn't have as much trouble as we have. If we would just come open before God, and just present ourselves and say, God, I'm just asking you. I'm not, I'm not telling you what I want you to do. I'm just asking you to lead me and guide me. I promise you, he will create a custom-made shoe 
that fits you better than anything you've ever walked in in your life. Thank you. But you've got to be willing to give it to him. So this is what I'm going to say to you. God wants us to enjoy our journey. But how many of you know you can't enjoy a journey if your feet are hurting? I don't care what you're looking at, man. You can, you can be at the finest palace. You can be, you, you, you can be looking at that. You can be in the Rocky Mountains and, man, the scenery just taking your breath away. But if your shoes are hurting your feet, you're not even thinking about those mountains. You're thinking about your big toe and the relief you want. That's why it's important that we don't let the devil distract us because the devil's always trying to take our focus off of God. What do you say that together today we say, here I am, God, use me. You remember when you used to go into a shoe store and they used to measure your foot? They used to check out and find out exactly what size you are? Don't let man do that for you. I always wore an 11D. I had a guy show up, measured my foot, and put me in a nine and a half triple E. That last, there wasn't nothing funny about it. That lasted, that, that lasted, that lasted for about a week, literally. I, I had to, I couldn't get my money back. I took a razor blade and slit the side of that shoe open so my little toe could creep out because I thought, man, I just paid good money for this. I don't want to throw these shoes away. You, you, your money, well, how can I say this? You're not losing anything when you choose to get rid of something that's hurting you. You're not losing it. It was amazing what, how my thinking was. Well, I've got to wear these. I bought these. There was nothing that said I had to wear them. Me, I'm the one that said I had to wear them. Why? Because I felt like, well, I... I'm trapped. I, I paid money for it. I'm trapped in it. I got to. You know, the devil will do that to you in your life. He'll make you feel like you're trapped in a circumstance or a situation. And all you've got to do is make up your mind. I ain't hanging out here. <laughs> I'm going to walk where God has called me to walk. Amen. So this is what I want you to do today. I want us, if we would, to just to gather forward as a congregation. And I'm asking you, this, we've started our 14 days of prayer and sacrifice. It's up to you what you choose to sacrifice, what you choose to give up. But remember this, if it didn't mean anything to you to begin with, it's not a sacrifice. Well, I'm going to give up eating octopus. That's not a sacrifice unless you love it. We try and find ways to get around sacrifice because sacrifice hurts, doesn't it? Ball players come up to bat, they understand it's not about them. And so they hit a sacrifice fly to advance the team. But that's going to hurt my stats. 
when managers look at a player's stats, he'll look at sacrifice flies and determine how willing that man is to give one up for the team. I think about the one he hit for us. He could have just knocked it out of the park, right? But it demanded a sacrifice. And so he gave up himself to advance us forward. But in giving up himself, he's become the captain of the team. He's seated on the right hand of power. So this is what I'm saying. For these next days, look inward and ask God, what do you want me to give up? Here's my prayer. I'm praying that I come out of these 14 days different than I've ever been, closer to God. And then at the end of this 14 days that I don't lose any ground, but I continue to go closer to God because sacrifice, self-control, discipline aren't for moments in our life, but they need to be a way of our life. Amen. 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 So as you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now, whatever it is you need, whatever your looking for from God. And even in what we look for and what we ask for, sometimes it can reveal our character. Is it all about us? Is it always about us? Or do we ever ask God for someone else to help that person you know that's hurting and having a difficult time to stand in the gap and make up the hedge, to put on shoes that don't necessarily glorify us, but they glorify him. And then he in turn brings the family home. He calls them together. I want you to pray with me right now. Father, we're asking you to show us what your desire is for our life. I'm tired of running my own race. And I'm tired of running the race the devil set before me. I don't want to run in his shoes. I choose yours. So right now, I offer myself to you totally and completely. God, I'm yours in Jesus' name. My hands till I can reach heaven. I'm gonna shout your name, sing till the walls come falling down. I'm going to worship. I'm going to
to invite your neighbor. I just came to me the first time we went into Trinidad. We were pouring a concrete slab to build a church. I'd taken a group in. Villagers came out to help us, and one young boy was out there, and nobody, he didn't know what year he was born, but he was a big old guy. We called him Giant. He was in that concrete, Sam Barefoot. And I told him, I said, man, you've got to get some shoes. You've got to find some shoes. He, he didn't have any shoes. And so he'd have to wash his feet off just barefoot all the time. I'll never forget the smile on his face. When the next time we came back, we had a pair of shoes that fit him. They were a size 18. When he put those shoes on, he smiled real big. He couldn't even get that shoe in Trinidad. He smiled real big. And then I was thinking of that, and it was like the Lord prompted me. He said, remind them neighbor day's coming. And the greatest neighbor you can be is to find the shoes that'll fit your neighbor. Help them get them on. Help them be able to find that walk that they're longing for, that they're looking for. Help them find Jesus. And when you do that, you, my friend, will have changed their life forever. Come on and love him with me one more time as they sing this. There's no one that can bring me peace, that can wash me that you'll know that you're the head and not the tail, that you're above and not beneath. And my prayer is after this teaching today that anytime you reach for a pair of shoes, it's going to bring this back to you and you're going to remember. If you're reaching for your work boots in the morning, my prayer is you remember that there's more to life than just that job and that you honor God on that job. That if you're reaching for your heels, ladies, that you know it's not because you're running a race in it. <laughs> and you'll remember that I want to be humble and I want to walk before God in a manner that will be pleasing to Him. You won't have to worry about me wearing these in here. If you slip on a pair of loafers at home, just as you put them on, just say, I thank God I'm not lazy. I thank God that that's not who defines me. That's not who I am. Or if you're putting on cowboy boots, go find a horse. 
And remember, it's not about what everybody else is doing. God has made you unique. He has a pair of shoes that fit your feet and yours alone. God bless you today. Don't forget encounter tonight. Come out here. We're going to see God move in a powerful way. Amen. Let's give him a hand clap of praise as we go today.